Well, we start a brand new series today. I love this time of year because winter is is about to say goodbye to us. Spring is coming and Easter's on its way. And really for me, uh, Easter is just my favorite time in the Christian calendar. I love it. I know some people don't agree with the word Easter, uh, but uh, it's all about the Lord's death and resurrection. And, uh, and it's all about what we celebrate as Christians and believe. And uh, so I love it. So, But what we're going to do over the next four weeks um, which will then lead us uh, up into Palm Sunday, which will be then five weeks from today. Uh, in the next four weeks, we're going to be going through a series called The Cup. And, uh, and, and it's going to be a little heavier, I would say, uh, just this series leading up into, uh, 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 up into uh, the Easter uh, period. And then on Easter, we start a brand new series called Alive. And uh, it's going to be a great series. And I'm sure we're going to laugh a lot. We're going to have a lot of joy um, uh, in, in this place uh, as then uh, spring is in full, full on. But uh, we're going to start this new series today called uh, The Cup. And uh, I know many of you, you wake up on a uh, Monday morning, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and uh, there's going to be one thing that you do before you do anything else. And that is going to go down, and you've probably already got it brewed before you even wake up, but that's to go get a cup of coffee. Because some of you, you just cannot function without a cup of coffee. Now let's be brave here this morning. How many of you are monsters before you have a cup of coffee in the morning? Okay, so some of you are, I'm sure there's probably more of you who are a little bit like that. But anyway, now some of you, you are on your way to work and uh, a budget is no problem to you at all. So you decide to go get a cup of four bucks, which is now like five bucks. I was in Starbucks the other day on Friday night and the new Starbucks up in like Forest Hill and they have coffee on tap now. Can you believe that? Coffee on tap. It's got like like nitro stuff in it and I was like, can I try some of that? And so they gave me a, a taste. It was pretty decent, but coffee on tap, that's like insane. Like people are going to get drunk on coffee or something. But, um, but anyway, some of you, you are all about the Starbucks. Like you, you, you are like the snobs of coffee. And maybe some of you like Starbucks is just even too common for you. Like you go to the, like the independent places and stuff. But you cannot function without your cup of Starbucks. Now, if you are more like me, then you are more of a Dunkin' Donuts kind of guy. I have the Dunkin' Donuts app on my phone. And uh, so uh, I use this as an excuse. Um, and yesterday I was like, I said to Raquel, I was like, I need, a, I need to go get a cup of Dunkin' Donuts uh, for sermon illustration. She's like, what? So I'm like, hold on. And so we stopped Dunkin' Donuts. I really just wanted the Dunkin' Donuts coffee. But I have my favorites in my app. And so if I know there's a Dunkin' Donuts away, around, uh, I, you, I'm not really saying this, but like I'm driving, I'm on my phone and I'm like ordering it and uh, while I, I, I'm going and I really should be pulling over and doing it. But uh, anyway, but Dunkin' Donuts, so some of you, you cannot function without a cup of Dunkin' Donuts and there's some days in the week that I'm just like I'm out and about and I see a Dunkin' Donuts I'm like oh man life will be so much better if I could just get a caramel latte from Dunkin' Donuts. Now if you're like the rest of us then Starbucks is too expensive, Dunkin' Donuts is a little expensive, 
You guys are Wawa people, right? How many of you are Wawa people here this morning, right? So if, if you are out and about in Bel Air around about 2.30 in the afternoon and you are in a Wawa, you will probably find me in a Wawa uh, because I am getting my favorite drink, which is a mocha wake up from Wawa. And I love this drink and I love it when they have any size for $1. And so I went to Wawa a couple of weeks ago and they had any size for $1. And so obviously, I normally get like a 16 ounce or a 20 ounce, but what did I go get? the biggest one, right? And I'm like, because it's $1. And so, you know, you go get it and then you drink it and you're wide for the rest of the night and you think, well, I should have just done the 16 or the 24. But I'll be honest, most afternoons, Wawa gets me through the afternoon, right? So most people cannot live without their coffee. Now, if there was no such thing as Starbucks, I'd be okay. If there was no such thing as Dunkin' Donuts, I would be a little sad, but I'd be okay. If there was no thing, such thing as Wawa, I would be distraught. I'd probably have the shakes, but I'd be okay. But if there was no such thing as PG Tips, my world would come to an end. For those of you who don't know, this is the best tea that you will ever find out there. It is British tea, because British make the best tea, just to let you know. PG Tips. When I lived in England, I would probably drink about 12 cups of these a day. I'm serious. It was crazy. It was a PG Tips addiction without, if you've ever seen one. But I, if there was no such thing as British tea, and the way you make British tea, it's very, uh, very specific, but you have to put milk in it. And it's better to be brewed in a teapot. I know I'm losing my man card right now. Even put a little tea cozy on the, tea cut, on the teapot. But that's the way you make tea, people. So, but if there was no such thing as PG Tips, I would be distraught. Life would come to an end. And I don't even think life would be worth living anymore without PG Tips. What's the one thing in life that you cannot live without? Is there one thing in life that you can't live without? Maybe you can't live without your Starbucks. Maybe you can't live without your Dunkin' Donuts. Maybe you can't live without your wah-wah. What is the one thing in life that you can't live at? Some of you, you can't live without Netflix. You're going through a marathon in Netflix right now, and all you can think about is the next episode. Can I get home so I can watch that next episode? You cannot live without Netflix. Some of you, you wouldn't know what to do if you went a day without going on social media. Talking about social media, you guys wouldn't know what to do if you didn't have a smartphone. Go back to 1995. Some of us had smartphones, but we all knew it because we carried them, and they were like this big. And we only use them to call very rarely because it costs so much. And nobody checked their smartphone all the time. But now, could you imagine life without smartphones? Life without the internet? I mean, could you imagine all this? The, a couple of months ago, it was a cold night and it had been raining a little bit. My car in our driveway, we've only got like a single driveway. So my car was blocking Raquel's car in. And she had to go out. And she goes, can you move your, your car for me? And it was raining. I didn't want to go out. I said, just take my car. She was like, no, I can't take your car. I was like, why not? She goes, you should always want to drive my car. She says, it's just not convenient. I said, it's not convenient. I said, my car's blocking yours in, so it is convenient because you can just take it. She goes, no. She goes, it's not convenient. I says, what do you mean? She goes, well, it doesn't have a remote start. She says, I was like, what? She goes, and it doesn't have heated seats either. I'm like, it's amazing how we change in life, right? Remote start in heated seats. Our grandparents wouldn't have a clue what that was at all. It's amazing what we think we can't do without life. But let me ask you today. What are you willing to give up in life for love?
What are you willing to give up in life for love? Obviously, Raquel was not willing to give up heated seats for me at all. But it's amazing how love changes us. Love changes our priorities. The, the day my son got born, my priorities suddenly started changing. Suddenly, I was like, oh, I need life insurance. Because if I like pass away, then he's going to be on his own. I didn't think about that when we were just married. But then this child comes along, then... then I decide, Raquel, you need a new car because that car, if that gets into an accident, my son's going to get hurt. She goes, you are okay in it, but my son, he's going to get hurt. So we got a more secure car. We started changing the way that we did money because love changes things. Your priorities change and the wonderful result about love and the reason our priorities change is because it causes us to think less of ourselves and more of those that we love. See, if you never loved anybody, all you think about is yourself. But when you start to love people, you start to change your priorities. You start to think less about yourself and more about others. And eventually, when that love becomes so great, you start to think more about them than you ever think about yourself. And this is exactly what Jesus did for us. Now, this morning, we're going to look at a story in the Bible that most of you know. It's a famous story in the Bible called The Last Supper. It's the last dinner that Jesus had with his disciples before he got arrested and he got put to death. And, and most of you know of this story, but we're going to look at, it, look at it through some different eyes this morning. But it's a story of love. And so if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14. And I'm going to start reading at verse 12. And this is what it says. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, When the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. Now listen to this. I think this is like really funny. Jesus says, as you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you to an upstairs large room that is ready, already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything as Jesus has said, and they prepared the Passover meal. The reason I think that's funny, it's like some Hollywood movie. It's like the born identity or something. It's like Jesus says, you will go here and then go there, and there will be a man, and then he will give you a card, and then he will give you some money, and then he will have a pitcher of water. And then it's all happened as Jesus said. But then it says this in verse 17. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. As they were at the table eating, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. One of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? He replied, it is one of you 12 who is eating from this bowl with me. So for the son of man must die as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible will it be for the one who betrays him? It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. 
And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it in the new kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. So here we have the story of what is known as the Last Supper. In fact, there was a guy called Leonardo da Vinci who painted a picture of this event. And this is the picture he painted. It's a famous picture. And I love this picture, this painting, because it shows all the different aspects of what happened in this event. Now, this event is shown in all the different Gospels, and they've got different accounts on it. We just read Mark's view of the Last Supper here. But, but you, you see in this picture where, where um, they're, they're, they're asking Jesus, uh, am I the one who betrayed you? Am I the one who's going to betray you? But Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And then you can see that there was an argument that happened with the disciples who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God because they had this obsession with becoming great. And uh, you see that going on. You see the food at the table that they're eating. Uh, and it's just a great picture uh, as we, to, to, to view as we've been reading this story. But from this story we find what is known as one of the sacraments of the Christian faith. And that is something called communion. Some people call it the Lord's Table or the Lord's Supper. And then other uh, denominations and uh, other fractions of the Christian faith call it the Eucharist. Uh, and that that this is where we get what we call uh, the bread and the wine and we take of communion together as Christians. But it's something else in this story that... I want us to focus on a little bit more today. Now, let me just give you some background. The festival of Passover had come to Israel, to the region of Judea where Jesus was. And Jerusalem was full with celebration for the Jewish festival of Passover had come. This was going to be the perfect time, the appointed time for Jesus to be able to fulfill his mission in life. And his mission in life was this, to lay down his life on behalf of your life, to die so that you wouldn't die. The Bible tells us that that sin has infiltrated itself in humanity. The penalty of sin is death. And Jesus would take that penalty for us so that instead of us dying, Jesus died instead. And while our bodies will die, If you believe in Jesus, your soul and your spirit will live forever because Jesus tells us we have everlasting life. Now, the Passover festival, uh, uh, the Jewish festival called Passover was all about the people celebrating God's deliverance from death. See, go all the way back to Moses. And remember, Moses, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush to say, tell Pharaoh, go tell Pharaoh, let my people, the Israelites, go. Pharaoh didn't want it, so God sent a bunch of plagues, and Pharaoh kept saying, no, you're not going to go. So eventually, God said, I'm sending a plague called the angel of death, and this angel is going to come and sweep throughout Egypt, and everybody who is a firstborn son is going to die. And so it was going to be a terrible plague. But God gave Moses a heads up and he said to Moses, he says, I want to protect my people and help save my people. So this is what you must do. You must tell my people, the Israelites, to get a lamb, a perfect lamb, a baby lamb that has no blemish, no injuries, just a perfect lamb. 
to kill the perfect lamb, to eat the lamb, cook the lamb, eat the lamb, and then after you've finished eating, to take the blood from the lamb, go outside on the doorposts of your house and paint the blood on the doorposts. Kind of strange. I'm sure the next morning the whole city kind of stank. I mean, it was probably nasty. But that night, the angel of death came into Egypt and everybody who was a firstborn son died. Except the ones who had painted the blood on the doorposts. For when the angel of death came over and saw the blood on the doorposts, the angel of death passed over that house and did not bring death to that house. Passover. Little did the disciples know that night that as they were celebrating the Jewish festival as Passover that had been celebrated every year since that terrible night in Egypt, Little did they know that Jesus was about to become the ultimate Passover lamb. That that Passover, a lamb wasn't going to be killed and the blood of the lamb wasn't going to be painted on a doorpost. Instead, Jesus was going to be killed. And those who believe in Jesus, the blood of Jesus would be painted on the doorposts of their hearts. So that when death comes, death will pass over. Because you've got the blood of Jesus on the doorposts of your heart. Little did they know that Jesus' death would save humanity. In fact, Jesus tells us in Mark, tw- in Mark 14, verse 21, he says, For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. So it's from this that we get communion. And so what happened, as they were eating, Jesus started to speak. They had argued about who was going to be the greatest. They had talked about who was going to betray Jesus. But then Jesus took some bread. And it's a little different to the bread that we get. You go to Pachucci's or, you know, you go to to Outback and, you know, they get nice bread. You go to Red Lobster and they've got like 100 million calorie bread that you can eat. But Jesus took this unleavened bread. And what unleavened bread is, it doesn't have yeast in it. It doesn't rise. It's like these matzo crackers right here. And Jesus started to break it. And as he broke it, Jesus said this. This is my body given for you. This is my body given to you. And Jesus started to pass the bread. And they started to eat the bread. And what Jesus was saying was, If you want to be part of me, you must eat with me. You must feast with me. This is going to be my body, which is is going to be broken for you. But right now, this is my body. If you want to remain in me and be part of me. Last week, we talked about being part of the vine. And and if we want to be part of the vine, we we have life because the vine gives life. And we're the branches. But when we're cut off from from the vine, the life in us is cut off. And Jesus said, if you want to remain in me, then you must eat of this. For this is my body. You must feast with me. You must eat with me. So Jesus gave that and they started to eat. But anybody who ever eats any of these will realize there's only a few of these you can eat before you need to drink something. Because your mouth gets a little dry when you've eaten a few of these. So Jesus, they didn't have Coca-Cola or Pepsi or they didn't have 
Mountain Dew or juice, and their water wasn't very good to drink either. It's like Mexico. And uh, so they got some wine. Now, I got some wine here. Now, let me just give a preface. This is not alcoholic wine, just to let you know. So if anyone wants this after, you're welcome to it. Okay? So they got some wine, and because wine was the stable of the diet of the day, and Jesus started to pour the wine. And as Jesus poured the wine, it didn't look like a bottle like this. It was in a wineskin. I don't have any wineskins that I own, so a bottle has to do. Then Jesus took the wine. And he lifted it up and he took a sip. And he started to pass it around his disciples. And he said this, this is my blood. This is my blood. Real strange kind of speak. They were probably thinking, what, Jesus, what are you talking about? He says, but this ties in a new agreement between God and humanity. This is my blood. No longer will there have to be a sacrifice of lambs where you take the blood and paint it on the doorposts. But instead, Jesus was saying, I am going to be that sacrificial lamb. And my sacrifice is so powerful that it is enough for all the sins in the past, all the sins present, and all the sins in the future. That when death comes, if you take of my blood, then you will not die. That's what Jesus was saying. And that's where most people finish this story. They think it's communion and then, you know, they, they take part of communion and, and that's it. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus makes one more statement that I think is intriguing. And as the disciples are listening to this, Jesus, my body, my blood, they must be thinking, Jesus, what are you talking about? Jesus makes this statement that so often we look over. It's found in Mark 14, verse 25. Jesus says, as he holds the glass of wine, I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I will not drink wine again until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now I'm thinking the disciples thinking, Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, are you just not going to drink any more wine tonight? Or are you waiting till we go to the next place? Like, are we going to another bar? Are we going to another restaurant? So like the new kingdom of God? Is that, is that a new place in town that we're going to? They probably had no idea what Jesus was talking about. But Jesus said this, I will not drink wine again until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. As Jesus was holding up the cup of wine, Jesus made it into a spiritual symbol. This is my blood. But he also made it into a human symbol. I will not drink wine again. In this moment, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give up what I want right now for the sake of humanity. See, think about it. They're having the Passover meal. They're having a great time. They were eating. They were drinking. They were having fun with their friends. And, and they were like family that came together. And, and it was this wonderful time. But the time had come for Jesus to give up his life and die for humanity. 
Instead of doing what Jesus wanted to do, which was to eat and drink and be with his friends, the human side of Jesus, Jesus was saying, I'm going to lay down what I want right now and sacrifice it for the sake of humanity. See, Jesus' love was so great because he was willing to lay down what so many are unwilling to do. Now think back to that question I asked you before. What can you not live without? Maybe it's some Starbucks you can't live without. Maybe it's some PG tips. And let me just tell you, Target tell these now, you better all go out and get some PG tips and try it properly. What can you not live without? Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's the nice house or the nice car. Maybe it's lots of money in the bank balance. Maybe it's happiness. Maybe it's friends. What can you not live without? Now imagine giving up all those pleasures in this life for the sake of others. Imagine giving up the coffee for some others. Imagine giving up the social media for others. Imagine giving up the career for others. Imagine giving up the big house on the nice car for others. See, the disciples probably had no idea what Jesus was talking about in this moment. But Jesus was saying, it's wonderful to eat with friends and family. It's wonderful to come together and have a good time. And again, we will do this someday. Someday we will eat together. We will drink together. Someday we will come together and we will drink wine together. But Jesus is saying, right now I'm going to lay it down because I've got business to do. See, I'm sure the human side of Jesus was saying, no, stay here. See, so often when we think of Jesus, we think of the God part of Jesus. Right, the, the man who died and was raised from the dead. The, the man who, who was born through a virgin birth. The man who did all the miracles. The man who walked on water. The man who provided food for the 5,000. But we often forget the human side of Jesus. He was in a body just like us. He was tempted in the same ways that we are tempted. I'm sure when the flu came around, Jesus may have caught the flu. He probably got over it quicker than the most of us, but he still probably caught it. Jesus was a carpenter. I'm sure he hit his nail, fingernail with a hammer plenty of times. And I guarantee he didn't say, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He was human just like you and me. And in that moment, Jesus knew he was going to have to go through a time of pain and a time of suffering. A time when he was going to give up his life for humanity. He was going to be the sacrificial lamb in this Passover. And I'm sure the human side of Jesus just wanted to stay there. Let's just eat and drink with our friends. This is so wonderful what we're doing right now. But Jesus knew this. If you are serious about doing anything significant with your life, then there will come a time when you will have to lay down what you think you cannot live without in order to achieve what you were created and purposed to do. Say that again. If you want to do anything significant with your life, there will come a time when you will have to lay down at times what you think you cannot live without 
in order to achieve what you were created and purposed to do. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. Jesus calling the crowd to join him, to join his disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, Jesus said, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So Jesus is saying this, if you want to be part of me, then there's something you have to do. You have to take up your cross and you have to follow me. The cross spoke of death. In, in week three of this series, we're going to talk a little bit more about the humiliation of the cross. But Jesus is saying this, that there are times, there are days, there are moments in life when you have to deny yourself in order to receive the greater good. And Jesus is saying it's a daily attitude, a daily decision to pick up that cross, to deny yourself and follow him. So as I read Mark 8 and Jesus is saying this, if you want to be a part of me, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. As I'm reading that, this question comes to my mind. What in my life am I not willing to die to that is causing my spirit and my soul harm? As I'm reading that, I'm thinking, God, what in my life am I not willing to die to? What, 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 what cup of wine am I not willing to put down that is causing harm to my spirit and my soul. So I ask you, what are you refusing to die to? What cup of wine are you not willing to put down for a later time? That you're saying right now, I'm just not willing to give this up. Back in 2005, I moved to the United States and there was going to be a great, wonderful reward at the other end of the airplane when I got off. A smiling Nicaraguan girl called Raquel Perez. What a wonderful reward for a life of singlehood. That was a great reward, but it cost a lot. It cost a lot. I had to give up my family, give up my friends. Lifelong friendships, deep relationships that I have I had molded for years. Some of my closest friends, confidence, people that I could rely on, that if I was down, I could call them or be with them, that they would cry with me, they would laugh with me. People who, 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 who were my blood, my family. That family gatherings, we would get together and we would have a great time. But I knew I would have to lay all that down for God was calling me to this part of the world the United States of America. And even now, it wasn't then at the time I realized the sacrifice that I would have to make, but it's now I realize when I look and see the family gatherings and they're all together laughing and joking, but I'm not there. And then my cousins having children and their children going up, and, but they not knowing me. My friends who were all still together and having a great time together, but still we're friends, but the bond is no longer as great because the distance was just too far. The sacrifice we had to make. 
And I realized that's okay. Because that was a cup of wine I put down, but one day we'll pick it back up again. And we will drink and rejoice together. So what cups of wine have you put down for the sake of Christ? Do you think through your journey of Christ, what cups of wine have you put down for Christ? See, the pull of the cup is too great for some people. They just can't function without their cup of coffee. They can't function without that thing that they think they need every day. They're not willing to take up their cross because taking up their cross means they have to put something else down. But this is what I know. Sacrifice rarely ends with you losing out. If it is done with a pure heart and the right motives, you will always receive more than what you put down. My wife Raquel and I, we are testament, a testimony to this. I remember us when we started the church just pouring our life savings into this church thinking, what are we going to do? But God has rewarded us back so much more, 10, 50, 100 fold to what we ever put in. Remember us just working so hard for the gospel of Jesus Christ and not being able to, 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 to really think about a family and think about this and that and seeing others who were are, who are buying houses and, 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 and they were having nice jobs and they're having the weekends themselves and they're having nice families and thinking, oh man, that would be nice. But now I look at our life, we have gained so much more than whatever we sacrificed. The psalmist said this, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. When Jesus said, says, when you give, God gives back good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. And I've understood after all these years in this journey of faith that when you put down the cup for Christ, do you know what happens? The cup overflows. The cup overflows. So is there a cup of wine in your life right now that is stopping you walk into the path and the plan that God has for you? Is there something that you are refusing to put down so you can pick up that cross and follow Christ? The Apostle Paul says this as we close. In Galatians 2, 17 to 21, he says, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Paul says, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of the law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its regulations and requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For it is keeping the law. if keeping the law can make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. What Paul is saying here. My old life was all about the law. It says, the purpose of my life was about the law of Moses. I followed the law of Moses to a T. 
But there came a time in my life where that law had to be put down. It was my cup of wine, Paul was saying, and I had to put it down for the sake of Christ. But Paul says, I'm so glad I put it down because that old law condemned me, but my new life in Christ gives me life and freedom and joy. Paul had to put down the law. What cup of wine are you willing to put down? Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's why your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I'm just going to quickly pray. But as I've been speaking this morning, some of you, you know there's cups of wine in your life that you have just been unwilling to put down. Some of them are just blatant, sinful cups. Things that you've been doing in your life you know are not right. And it's getting in the way of your relationship with God. And you know you need to put them down. Some of you, there's things in your life that are good. It's not sinful. They're wonderful things that bring you joy, but you know God has a purpose for you and a plan for you, and it is stopping you walking that plan for God. And as I've been talking today, you know God is saying, it's time to put the cup of wine down. You can pick it up again, but for right now, for what God wants in your life, it's time to put it down. Some of you, you may be single in this place, And that cup of wine has been a pursuit to find a life partner. And maybe God is saying, that pursuit is time to put down. Some of you, it's about trying for children. And you're pursuing just to create a family, make a family. And that's a great, wonderful thing. But maybe right now God is saying, that should not be your priority. It's time to put that down. Some of you, it may be a career. You've been on this career path and you've been going at it and going at it and going at it. And it's good because you want to provide for your family. You want to make a secure future. But you know right now, God is saying, you know what? That's good and wonderful. But it's time to put it down. Some of you, it Maybe the pursuit of the American dream, the house, the cars, the surplus in retirement, all wonderful things and bring so much joy. But right now in this moment, you know God is speaking to you and saying, it's time to put that cup down. Whatever it may be today, This is what I want to tell you. Sacrifice rarely ends with you losing out. When you give unto God, your cup always overflows. And so as I pray today, I pray that you will have the courage to put down whatever Christ is urging you right now whatever in your heart you are feeling I need to put down I pray that God will give you the courage and the boldness to put down the bravery and the faith to know he will take care of you and your cup will overflow 